0: to Deer Sparrow's podcast. So we finished up um, about a week ago the Unveiled Live series, which was really fun to do, and kind of bummed that that's over, but really enjoyed doing that, and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. If you haven't listened to it, highly recommend checking it out. Um, It all goes based on the new book, Unveiled, available on Amazon and Kindle and all that jazz, but um, this week we're kind of transitioning into more of the summer series and we're going to have a few topical, and then kind of get into more um, of a study. So also really open this summer, whatever you guys want to hear or you have questions about. Uh, Homegirl loves doing research, loves going in prayer to investigate with God on different topics. So let me know. Uh, You can contact me through the Instagram channel or Whatever you fancy with email or whatever, on the website, um, and let me know. But today we're talking about uh, community. So I had the blessing of reading Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, recently, and his book on Life Together. So it's really about what Christian community is, and community is something that often gets a little. I don't want to say overlooked, but I think it's not. There's not a ton of emphasis on it when we're really talking about topical with the Christian life because it's just kind of a given it's like oh well yeah duh you're gonna hang out with other Christians but but what does that really look like and what does the healthiest community look like where does it come from how does it go about and life together by Bonhoeffer really investigates that now a little background on Dietrich Bonhoeffer so he was a pastor in Germany in the 1930s and 40s his big um life legacy if you will is he actually became a spy and went up against Hitler to assassinate Hitler. He was thrown in jail and died a martyr's death about a week before Hitler died in 1945. But his life is so marked by the wondrous things the Lord did through it. And one of the biggest aspects of his life before the war was the aspect of community. And I think that is one of the central themes of his life. He, when he was in study, he actually went to America and he spent some time in Harlem. And that is where he really learned a lot more of the spirit and um, the community that he found there. And he brought that back and really that indwelled in him so much that when the war came up, he was, he had the opportunity to find, you know, safe haven in America. But he said, no, I'm a German. I need to stand against this evil that is happening to my people. And that really goes into the community aspect of it. But before all that happened, he wrote this book, Life Together. So Psalm 133 says, How very good and pleasant when brothers live together in unity. So the biggest thing of community is looking into unity. Unity doesn't always mean that you're going to agree on every topic. It means that you are unified for the greater purpose of the kingdom itself. It doesn't mean that you're always going to say, I 100% agree with my brother on what he's saying. Now, you can walk into certain agreements with them, um, the agreement that Christ is our Lord and Savior. You can walk into the agreement that all things should be beneficial to the kingdom, ultimately, and to the will of God, by the Spirit of God, tested and true to the Word of God. But There's going to be disagreements. I mean, Paul talked about that a lot. Paul and Peter were kind of against each other in a lot of the New Testament. You know, there was things that... They disagreed on, but it did not mean they weren't unified. Ultimately, they were still unified to the betterment and the glorification of God and the kingdom of, you know, itself. Um, And so really looking into Bonhoeffer's book here, there's just, there's so much good in it. It's only like 100 pages, but it is so awe-inspiring. One of the things um, Bonhoeffer actually mentioned, though, was how he was disappointed at how things are translated in the English language, because he doesn't feel that he could be as articulate in English as he could with rich depth and German. So one of my life goals is to learn German and (laughs) literally read Bonhoeffer's um, entire collection of things just in German. But I digress. So one of of my favorite quotes from the book was, Christians must belong not in the seclusion of a close-knit life, but in the midst of enemies. So that is a good reminder that though we should have community, we should have fellowship, we should have union and unity with fellow Christians, we cannot live in our Christian bubbles. That's a big thing in the church today is we live in this world of us and them. And what is so sad is we're forgetting the entire work of Jesus himself coming here, that Jesus wasn't like it's an us and them. He wanted, he sat down with the sinners. Because at the time, the Pharisees, who people kind of omit this a lot, and they don't-I don't think it registers in their brain. But the Pharisees were, quote unquote, the most righteous of all the people in the Jewish world and realm. They knew the scriptures back and forth, they were righteous with their money and all of that. They they were the kind of the religious leaders of the day. And you know, you hear the word Pharisee now, and you're like, "Oh, bad." But at the time, that's not exactly how it looked. It looked like they were the um, they were the upstanding people at the time. But and then Jesus comes, the Savior of the world, comes, humbles himself as a man, and he comes and he sits with the sinners and the people no one wanted to be around. And what's key to recognize with that, Jesus never participated in their sin. He stood. He loved them. And he sought to share the love of the kingdom of God and get on their level and preach the good news. And in the same way, if we're truly to pick up our cross and follow him daily, to deny ourselves of our fleshy former life and walk into the new man, the new Adam, and follow Jesus, then what we're to do is not just always stay in our little Pharisee circle. We're to go out and love on those that are unlovable. That doesn't mean that you go and you participate in what they're doing. It means that you go and you love on them and you see them and you be Jesus to them. Because how else are they supposed to, to come to Christ? How else? I mean, that's not going to make them want to. They're going to be like, geez, you Christians are really rude and, you know, judgmental and cliquish. And that's not going to make anyone want to hang out with you. So if we're really looking like Christ, we're being loving, and we're sitting, and we're not, we're not shoving it down their throats and saying, like, you need to repent. No, 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 no. We are loving on them. We are inviting them to come to know the love and grace of Jesus Christ. But we're also in understanding that that might take time, and it might never happen. But that doesn't mean that we can't love on them and still be supportive and not hide who we are. You know, if someone's going through a hard time and you have a friend who's not saved, say, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Or can I pray with you? I mean, they might be open to it. Sometimes those trials are what really bring people together and they bring people to Jesus, you know? Um, and Christian community means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. So what that means is in and through. So to go through what we are putting out is rooted in Jesus and loved through Jesus, and that's that's vital. We have to make sure that the waters we're pulling from, the well, is Jesus himself. It's the living waters, John 4, that it's rooted and the source of it is God. Uh, one of the big things that I did some study on and just reading and it was really cool and just oh you know eureka moment and you kind of look at this and you're like ah that correlate John Ford the living water thing is in um first and second kings you know you have elijah and alicia and so elijah elijah actually didn't die he has like the coolest like peace out ever <laughs> so he's taken up in a chariot to heaven which i mean kind of is how i want to go Maybe, like, a hot air balloon to heaven would be better, but I digress. Anyway, so before he goes, though, he gives Elisha a double portion of his spirit. And so you think about that, and you're like, well, you can't double yourself. So you can't just be like, here's mine, and then double it. No, no, no. But Elijah understood that he could pray that from the source, the source that gave him the blessing and the ability— to heal, to restore, to multiply, is God. So in the same way, he drew upon the source, God, and he said, "Lord, please give my, you know, my son. You know, kind of it wasn't his blood son, but please give the person who is going to go after me as prophet a double portion of what you gave me, because you are the source, and the work you began in me will be doubled, because." of the ground that you start him so he prays that over alicia and that's mind-blowingly awesome but it relates back to the john four come from the source so in that when we're praying we need to make sure that anything that we are doing is rooted in christ and everything is done through christ for his honor for his glory through that um and then you know we kind of come okay Let's look more into what does community look like in that, because we're talking about the individual, but what does it mean to do it as a team? And teammates are those who can stand by you through all seasons, not just the good ones. I talk a lot about um, how my friends and those who are closest to me are my teammates. We are, you know, on this mission, we're on this life, we're doing life together. And there's that old idiom, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, And that's not really to say, oh, well, what your friend's doing is going to be like a prophecy of you in the future. But what it's saying is, who are you joining yourselves with? Are you surrounded by people who love and serve the Lord, who have a hunger and a thirst to know more about God, who want to do better and make an impact on this world? Or are you surrounded by people who are just kind of like existing, they're not really doing anything to get anywhere, they have no ambition, you know, they're lounging around, they're couch potatoes, and you have to look at that because, yeah, we're, we're all going to have those days where we're a little couch potato, we just want to sit and binge Netflix, but, you know, we can't, life can't consistently be about that, and the people that you're surrounding yourself with are going to impact who you are and what you're thinking about and what you're doing, and we need each other. We need each other for the sake of Christ, And that comes to others and for others to come through Christ. From eternity, we have been chosen and united for eternity. So from eternity, from God, we have been chosen to be a community forever. Like we kind of forget that the people who have been saved that we're surrounding ourselves with, we're going to see them on the other side too. So God has fostered this community and it's going to go and transfer over to the other side as well. And that's really cool. And Bonhoeffer really stresses that your community is not something that you personally create. It's something that God creates in your life. And he's creating that, honestly, for the glorification of the kingdom, but also for the betterment of you. I mean, it's a total blessing. You get to be surrounded by people who love God and love you and love you through God. And and that's a really cool thing, that when God gives you that community and you're building this team and so you're like, okay, I know, you know, we're going to do work on the here on this side of the veil and on the other side of the veil as well. And I have found that my friendships that are probably the most rooted in God, it blows my mind the amount of time I maybe have known that person. Um, Some of my friends, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've only known you like a year? How is that possible? It's like I've known you my entire life. And that's because that's a God-rooted friendship. And I, for one, believe that, Because the Holy Spirit that exists in them and the Holy Spirit that exists in me resonates and unifies together. It's kind of like, wow. Like, it's so familiar because we both share in the Holy Spirit together. And so what I recognize in you and what you recognize in in me is the same source and that same love from the Holy Spirit. And so we have this hyperspeed of kindred spirit and the same spirit, the same open heart, and so it's like we've known each other forever, because we both know the Holy Spirit, right? And that's a really cool thing. <laughs> um, and that plays into another quote by Bonhoeffer, it says, if I asked, where is your solution, your righteousness, they never point to themselves, they point to the Word of God and Jesus Christ. Because God is not a God of emotionalism, but a God of truth. Truth is probably, like, the biggest thing in my life that I am hard-hitting about. I'm like, I want the truth and nothing but the truth all the time. Even if that's hard, because if you can stand on truth, you can, honestly, anything you can get through. Because if you know it's true. You don't want to live in a, you know, world of just lies and deceit. You want the truth, even if it's hard. But knowing that God is the God of truth and not the God of emotionalism, that means that the way God operates, He's not gonna operate in our lives through like the impulsiveness of emotions. Because one minute you can be crying in the corner in your closet and you're all upset and the world's falling down, and then five minutes later something just stops and you're done crying and you're good. And I mean I've kind of there all the time. But <laughs> I'm glad that I can be stand, I can stand rooted in Christ to know that God's not like that. God's going to stand on the truth. And so what Bonhoeffer emphasizes through all of that as well is how community is given by God and how community and God himself is rooted in truth, um, but the love of that. So I, I think this was probably my favorite part of the book was his talk about emotional love versus um, a spiritual love. And this was something that just kind of threw me on my butt. I was like, whoa. (laughs) And so it says emotional love loves the other for the sake of itself. Spiritual love loves the other for the sake of Christ. So Christ literally stands between me and the other person when it's spiritual love. You have to love through Christ. When it's emotional love, it's self-serving, it's omitting Christ, and it's where all connection is merely flesh. And that's a huge thing, not just in friendship, But also in romantic love, if you look at that and you're like, am I loving this person through emotional love or spiritual love? Big difference. Emotional love is, what am I getting out of this? Um, It's all fleshy. It's rooted in flesh. It's not at all. It's not at all in that spiritual connection, really. It's how can this love and this person better benefit me, ultimately. And that Honestly, I think it's a really hard thing to figure out at times because you might have the hope and intention that's spiritual love, but it's really not. It's an emotional love and it's really, it's, it's not inquired by God. It's not like, God, is this somebody that you want me to love? um, Because of you, God might not even be brought up in it. And it's, it's fleeting, it's fleshy, and it's not going to withstand the test of time or trial. Whereas spiritual love, it's, I don't know why, (laughs) and the only reason I can say is Jesus himself is the reason that I can be sustained in this trial. I can continue to love this person in all of this hurt and all this pain and whatever else. That is the spiritual love of things, and I have seen in my life things that the Lord has asked of me to believe him with, and if it were me at the root of this promise, or anything, the fleshiness of me would be like, yeah, no way, who's a, peace, I'm not sticking around for that, why would I wait on God for that, why would I continue to persist on, when it's been years, and nothing has seemed to really occur, Um, there's no knock on the door, or anything, and then I look at it, and it's like, "Why, why am I still sticking around, well, it's because God, and that's a spiritual love, not an emotional love, because in my flesh, I don't, Want to wait. I want to be fast. I want it now. It's impulsive. It's petulant. It's right now, I want this and this will serve me and whatever else. But when it's from God and it's a promise from God and it's something that God's calling, you persist and you put aside the emotion and you step into the truth and you say, God has asked me to do this. And Lord, until you say, We're going to do something else or you bring it to fulfillment, I will stand because I am looking through your lens, God, through you. I am rooted in you and watching through you for this and not within my own flesh. And so you're putting aside your flesh, you're denying your flesh, and you are diving yourself into God. But emotional love, it's it's just petulant. It's sad, honestly. And, and we've all been there. There's been something that you know, we've we desired so much, and we gotta have it, I gotta have it, I gotta have it, you're obsessed with it, and then you get it, and you don't even care anymore, and that's an emotion thing, whereas with spirit, you will know the difference, because God is in the center of it, and God has blessed it, and it might not even make sense to anyone else, and it, and it's shown it, because it's a supernatural kind of desire, and love, and outlook, and so it doesn't make any sense to anyone else, but it's doesn't matter because it's between you and God, and there's another person involved in that other person as well. And it's rooted in that. It has the root of truth. And that's beautiful. I I think a lot of that comes through prayer. And prayer defined by Bonhoeffer says, the basis of the word of God and on promises takes its stand on solid ground, revealed, um, and has nothing to do with the self-seeking desires. So... That is really where prayer, you're laying down your desires, your heart, anything that you have, and you're saying, Lord, I want your will. So mold and make my heart pliable and moldable to your desires for my life, and I will be obedient to follow that. I will do as you ask. And community can be big in that because you can stand among other Christians, um, you can test things out, and you know, go through life and saying, you know, I feel the Lord revealed this to me. I feel this call. I feel I should take this job, this and that. What do you think? Um, and making sure that your team and the people that you would talk to are deeply rooted in Christ and wise with that as well. They can take it to the throne, pray about it, pray with you, support you, even if in the natural, it doesn't look like anything's happening, knowing that God will bring to fulfillment the promise that he has placed within your heart within your inner spirit vocally whatever you know way but you know relying on your team but we also have to make sure we don't let community overtake our personal time with God so I say that you know test things in the word test things you know with your community looking through it Um, but we have to make sure that we don't lose that personal time with God when we're so deeply invested in community because community is beautiful but we can't let community become an idol. We can't let community come before God, or what other people surrounding you say, come before what God said. And there's this king. This First Kings 19 talks about um, Elijah, and so God had just performed a major miracle through Elijah, with you know the altar with the wood, and the Baal worshipers. and God sends the fire, even though it was like totally soaked in water. God sends the fire to light the altar. Well, right after that happens, Elijah is, like, terrified that Jezebel's going to kill him. So, which is weird, because, I mean, I, I say, like, oh, let me knock Elijah, and then I'm like, I've probably done the same thing. But he's all like, this giant miracle just happened, and then he's like, oh, no, I'm going to get killed. Like, I'm like, dude, God's totally going to save you. But then I look at stuff I do and God does in my life, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, whoa, God did that. He came through on what he was going to do. And then ten minutes later, I'm like, I'm in the pit of despair, I'm in Sheol, I'm sad, I'm forsaken by God, and I'm like, I'm the same way. But anyway, in 1 Kings 19, he goes and he's trying to hear God, so he goes to all these different places, he goes to the mountaintop, and he goes through the storm, and he goes through the ocean, and all this different stuff, and the word doesn't come, but until he's silent, and he just sits, and it comes in this gentle whisper, and that's how God speaks. And it doesn't have to be a big noisemaker. It doesn't have to be, you know, some giant sign like he thought he was going to get. It comes through a gentle whisper. And a lot of times, God, we expect him to reveal something through your community. Okay, God, just have, you know, we play the game. Okay, just have, I'm supposed to take this job. Um, Have, have my friend over here just casually mention something about it. And I'll take that. Or... You know, it's some big thing in that community, but maybe God just wants to speak to our hearts and have that one-on-one time. And so though community is a blessing, we can't put it before God. We can't say community has more of a say than God does. Ultimately, it's God, and we can't let it become that idol. But we can come together and correct you know, incorrect standing, and the community prays together. It's raw, it's vulnerable, it's honest, it's not judgmental, it can take reproach, and it doesn't enable sin. And so our community, we can test each other and say, we're not going to enable your sin, but we're not going to knock you down and make you feel humiliated and upset. Um, I think the big thing with God is God will convict us but not condemn us. The enemy condemns us and produces shame and guilt. God will sternly but in a loving fatherly fashion give us guidance on how to do better, and we want to do better because we want to please Papa, and it's not like we're a bad kid and we get the lashing, right? And so community should reflect that, because if the church is the bride of Christ, and we are the church because we are the community of believers, then how we treat one another should really reflect how he treats us. And so if he is kind to us and loving, and he convicts but does not condemn, and says in loving reproach, hey, what you're doing is not cool, that's how we need to approach it and not say things like, you're going to go to hell because of this sin, or make people feel, you know, worthless. That's not That's not what we should do. Everything that we speak needs to be uplifting and said in love and kindness. Is it kind? Is it true? And is it said in love? Right? We must be mindful not to be legalistic, but be led in the spirit to be an encouragement. So Romans 8 really talks a lot about the spirit and living by the spirit. And so, yes, there's tons of legalism and rules and all of that. The Pharisees knew that all too well. But how do we... Make sure that we uphold the word of God and the truth of God, but we're led by the spirit of God ultimately. And so if you must come to a brethren with a disagreement or something going on, praying, Holy Spirit, use me as a mouthpiece to gently and lovingly provide um, reproach to my brother to help bring them closer to you ultimately and then closer to me because in doing that, that's what you're going to do, and it might not always be well-received, but knowing that community breeds, um, that kind of love and refinement, and iron strengthens iron, right, and we're helping each other become stronger, right, so that's kind of the, the whole thing of Life Together by Bonhoeffer, absolutely love it, um, absolutely recommend it on books to read, but, more than anything, just you know, being prayerful of godly community that He will bless with because He brings it. And praying that you could be a connector piece. Honestly, I think even like ways that you don't even realize you can be a connector piece, and then you have a Disney princess birthday party and two of your closest friends meet and now they're like almost engaged. Or that's just my life, but it's cool, and you can't take credit for that because you're like That was God, but cool. Thanks for using me, God, to be this connector piece. That's rad. Um, So letting God let you be the connector piece, but also realize, too, that you're a part of other people's lives, and he has blessed that. So hope you're blessed by this podcast. If you have any questions, comments, um, kind reproach things, please um, add them in the comments, and be blessed, y'all.